Welcome back to Knock Talk. We're here today with me, uh, that's Cliff, and my colleague BJ, and we have a guest with us, Jeff Poole, who is the program manager at the Human Behavior Lab at Texas A&M. The the lab is one of North of Center's strategic partners. And uh, while for most of Knock Talk so far, we have covered leadership development issues, uh, today we're going to dive into the public engagement realm and uh, explore that a little bit. And uh, Jeff is here to do that. What I will do, though, I'll plug North of Center a little bit right up front. Uh, We are coaches and consultants in the areas of leader development, organizational communication, and public engagement. Uh, And on the public engagement realm, we can be, we can support, or we can train your public engagement team to help you navigate successfully through a, a world that operates at the speed of send. So some of the tips and pointers we want to provide today and have Jeff share with us uh, are designed to help you navigate uh, through that environment. With that said, Jeff, I'd like to hand the mic right on over to you, uh, let you tell us a little little bit about what you do with the Behavior Lab, and then uh, kick off the conversation. Hey, thanks, Cliff and uh, BJ. I really appreciate being the first guest on Knock Talk. Really quickly, uh, I am the program manager at the Human Behavior Lab at Texas A&M. We are the largest uh, biometric lab in academia. We do stuff like eye tracking, neural signals, facial expressions. Try to use all these biosensors that we have here at our lab in order to figure out how people make decisions and how the people can make better decisions. So that's really what we focus on here. About 90% of the work is really hardcore academic research, and the other 10% is what we consider outreach for how do we help local businesses and Texas businesses? So that's kind of what we're focused on here. Gotcha. That sounds like some uh, seriously high-level Skynet type stuff there. Uh, we'll note for our our audience out there that uh, uh, all of that activity, you know, when you, you get into Sky, Skynet territory, uh, you have to have a really strong sense of ethics in your research and, and how you're working with uh, with your human subjects. And I know that uh, I know the lab practices uh, that that high level of ethical standards. I'm interested there, Jeff, you know, you, you talked a lot about the biometric data that can be gathered and used to really get a sense of, I, I know from talking with you before, can give a sense of uh, where, where some, what somebody's really looking at or what somebody's really reading, what, what they're really noticing or paying attention to and how it's actually making them react or respond. And that's a, that's a pretty cool resource to put in play. But I am intrigued mainly by the the application uh, and the the outreach to local businesses and I know you've got a couple of stories at least to share for uh, listeners out there who have a proclivity for wine or barbecue uh, I think these stories will resonate and and I'm interested Jeff in what you can tell me uh, about those uh, those clients that I know you've worked with before and and how you've done that work in a way that helped their bottom line at the small business level one of the things that we did is we uh, partnered with a, a local winery called Messinahoff. It's one of the oldest wineries in Texas. And what we were trying to do there is because we try to help out Texas industry, we looked in, there's approximately 400 different wineries in Texas. And wine uh, and wine tourism is a $13.1 billion a year industry in Texas, which most people, you know, think of cattle and, you know, oil down here, but, you know, wine is actually big business. So we were looking at ways that we could help the entire wine industry. So every winery has a tasting room menus where you go in and decide what type of wine you want. Well, we wanted to see, is there a best practice for that? So we used our eye tracking equipment to find out what people are actually looking at when they look at a wine menu and we redesigned it in order to improve their bottom line. So after we were done, 
took about two weeks uh, of work uh, with them. And I mean, they were fantastic partners for us to uh, work alongside, but we were able to increase their bottom line by 18.6%. And that is, we didn't increase prices. We didn't change the menu and make it more expensive. We didn't add any, you know, in pass along any, like, anything to the customer. We just literally by moving things around to where we has a better design, a better flow, better font, even we were able to get 18.6% increase. So that was one case. And another is a place called 1775 Texas barbecue or Texas pit barbecue. And they were really interested in how do you increase the sale of, you know, certain items where they have the smoked turkey breast, which is amazing, but when people go for brisket, they never think of, or barbecue, they think of brisket. They never think of, you know, let's go out and have turkey. So, but they really wanted to increase the sale of turkey because it has higher uh, profit margins for them. So we redesigned their menu and it was literally, turkey was at the kind of buried in the middle of the me- their menu and we added it to the top item on their menu. And we, they saw, I believe about a 30% increase in turkey sales just by where we placed it on the menu. So those are a couple of the outreach projects that we've been working on. Those examples, uh, those, those resonate with me, and they, they take me right to the, the first time in this podcast that I'm going to mention communication-based leadership, which is the framework that we use here at NOC, no matter what work we're doing, whether we're coaching a leader, building a team, or helping an organization with their public outreach and, and public engagement. We start with some essential questions, and one of those essential questions is, who are you communicating with? Do you understand those folks and uh, the resources and assets and, and skills that you have at the research lab there uh, are a powerful tool for helping do that. You provided some fantastic examples there of just uh, getting a, a sense way down deep there of, of what are their clients looking at? What are they reading? What's drawing their interest on a menu and how simple that activity can be to, to put the right thing at the right place where where your client or customer is is seeing it and you're communicating with them in the way you intend to. Uh, which is what I take. One of the things I take away from those examples is that a, a menu is a communication tool, and what you helped them do was refine that tool so that it was working more effectively to to improve that communication and that interaction with their clients. Uh, and I'll touch there on one of the other essential questions of communication-based leadership we hit, which is, what's your goal? What's your desired outcome? And in business terms, uh, that's usually a, a financial goal. You want to hit a certain number. You have to make a certain number of dollars. Uh, but in the communication goals, those are about people and getting people to think, feel, believe a certain thing, uh, certainly doing it in an ethical way. You get to the financial bottom line by getting to know the people you're communicating with and communicating with them effectively so that you get them to do the thing you're hoping that they will do. And uh, that those so two fantastic examples there. Another thing we've talked about, Jeff, in the past along the lines of this kind of thing is, is the carry-on of you know, you, you get the menu, you get the new boost of, uh, of revenue going from that simple shift in how your menu is designed. But what else can you do and what other examples have you experienced so far in helping those businesses improve uh, public awareness more broadly? So you, you get somebody into your restaurant to look at the menu. That's one thing. But you've done some work as well when it comes to uh, community outreach to get people in to look at the menu in the first place. I'm, I'm interested to hear some of that story, especially about the barbecue. Well, I mean... When you work with local businesses, a lot of their bread and butter is the local community and working with the local community. So if you're a restaurant, you're not needing to do national coverage. What you're looking for is local coverage. It's great if you're, you know, a restaurant down here in Texas, but it does no good to have it, you know, the 
people to talk about you up in New York City. So what we were shooting for is how do you get more people into the into their restaurant? So what we did is we contacted the one of the local TV stations just to say, hey, this is one of the best barbecue places we've eaten at. Why don't you give it a try? And most local uh, TV stations we found do a segment on local business. So this was a new local business that had just started up. They came and I think that was, they'd been open for about six months and had your typical, you know, trickle in, you know, word of mouth of people going to the their restaurant. So after we got the local TV station to come out, they did a segment first thing in the morning at like six in the morning. And they said that that was the very first day they ever sold out, that they said they had crowds basically, like, you know, I would say all down the block, but I mean, down in front of the business that and they sold out that first week. And it was because people didn't even know they were there. They didn't know anything about them. And because they were a new business, they don't want to spend, you know, they don't have the money to spend on your typical advertising where you know, they're not going to go out and you know, spend thousands of dollars where I'm not sure the local cost here, but about the national average cost for a local TV commercial is somewhere in the thousands of dollars. So you're not, you're not going to get out of it for being cheap. Um, and that's not even including the actual production of the commercial. So they didn't have thousands of dollars to spend. Uh, so what we suggest is try to use your local free media to drum up business. And that's one of the things that we did. Uh, we also actually did a story recently with Sinahoff and mentioned that they worked with us. And that was just another opportunity for them to get into the news by just saying, hey, we did this project with Texas A&M. So you are really trying to look for any opportunity you can to break into your local TV news to do something for free instead of having to pay thousands of dollars. Uh, you know, Jeff, I, I used a phrase earlier that uh, the, the world operates at the speed of send. And, and we're talking there about not only the speed, but the volume of communication that's happening out in the world. And on one end of the spectrum, that can be overwhelming. And we start having language like information overload. Uh, and then we get into, oh my gosh, it's expensive to break in and to place things and advertising costs go up. And and then on the other end of uh, advertising, we have, well, it's just 20 bucks for a quick Facebook ad to boost a post or something, but there's money involved, it seems like. So you have uh, a perception that communicating and advertising is an expensive activity uh, and that there's so much of it going on that it can be confusing and overwhelming. And yet what I'm hearing you say there is there's some some fantastic examples that tie right in again with the communication-based leadership model. One of the core truths of that being that, that leadership is about uh, relationships and we approach leadership as a lifestyle at Northwood Center. So when, when we're talking about leadership, we're not talking about a position or a specific role. We're talking about leading as an activity of building relationships uh, and, and bringing folks together towards common goals. So with that line of thought, building those relationships with the people who are involved in the traditional media organizations can be such a powerful thing. And you do have then people you can get to know, your your local uh, business writer for your local newspaper, your business reporters for TV, uh, as you pointed out in their local TV station that highlights local businesses and, and maybe even highlights food. Uh, you can find those ways and just reach out and say, hey, I'd, I'd like to go with it here. I do have a question here for you, though, and you, you're bringing a reporter out for something like that. Uh, do you throw them a freebie or do you make them pay for their meal? I tend to uh, agree with you, surprisingly enough, when it comes to uh, <laughs> uh, uh, building a relationship where you have to be really careful when you're offering gifts uh, to someone, such as 
free food. You know, offering someone something to drink is common courtesy, but let's say you're a barbecue restaurant, you wouldn't want to offer them, you know, an entire free meal because then it almost seems like you're bribing them or, you know, to for the story like, hey, come out and cover us and I'll give you free barbecue. I don't think anyone, you know, that's not the way to build a relationship built on either bribery. You know, you're not going to build a close friendship. And these are things where reporters are around for years and years. Some of you, especially in these local markets and your, your local print reporters, they're around for years. I would advise against, you know, trying to incentivize a relationship. You know, just be yourself and, you know, be honest with them. You know, that, that's a key point, Jeff. You're not just uh, creating a one-off situation and then, you know, hey, cool, we got a great story, victory. That that relationship element is an enduring thing, and that really needs to be sustained and maintained over time, not not only so that you can continue to get the positive out of it, uh, but because at some point, something bad could happen. You know, you could have a client complaint, or you could have a, shoot, we had a, a bakery out here in Portland, uh, tell the brief story, I think it was a fat cupcake, and they had a a really terrific cupcake for a couple of years, if I remember right. It was, I think, a white cake with an Oreo cookie center. And President Obama at one point had said that he really liked those flavors. So they named that cupcake the Obama. Uh, And it sold like crazy and all all was well for a couple of years. The reputation built. And then one day somebody came in from outside the, the, the area, the local area, had heard about them, went on in and saw the Obama and immediately decided that that was a racist cupcake. And I don't want to get into the bigger picture of race and people choosing to be offended or not and that sort of thing. The, the heart of this is that particular customer raised the issue at the counter, didn't get a response that they wanted, uh, arguably because the folks at the counter were caught flat-footed going, wait, what? Um, but then that person went out and put up a Yelp uh, review uh, and talked about what she perceived had happened. And that bakery owner made big news the next day, like, you know, national news. And uh, and it had to be uh, it had to be responded to and had to be put in place. I interacted just briefly, not in a consulting capacity, but I just touched base with that bakery owner and tracked that story. And my assessment was they handled it very well, in part because they had pre-existing relationships with some of the local reporters, and and they were able to then bring them in and sit down and talk from a position of knowing each other rather than talk from a position of a reporter coming in and just then learning about the business owner and the business. So that sustained relationship is a very powerful thing. I, I would say that is that is key that they didn't meet the first time. And I think that's the reason why you want to do your public engagement, you know, when times are great, because if you're waiting to do it when in times of a crisis, that's the wrong time to get to meet your local reporter because he doesn't know you from Adam and he doesn't owe you anything. Sure. Where at least if you have a, a you know, pre-existing relationship, they at least owe you know, as common courtesy, they at least owe you a chance for you to explain yourself. Yeah, in fairness, it's it's a very natural human thing uh, that if, say, a, a reporter, you know, they're, they're people and they're coming into this situation for what is a controversial story. If they don't know the business owner, it's it's a very natural thing, not at all insidious, very natural for them to come in with, with a presumption that the business owner is going to be on the defensive. And a little bit of suspicion that, of course, the business owner is going to say the right thing, m- make certain claims. Um, the credibility that gets established by building a relationship over time is the thing that can help in that case. And I want to be clear here for, for any of the folks out there that, that may find themselves in a bad spot like that. You cannot build a reservoir of goodwill that overrides a bad thing. If you mess up and do something, you're still going to have to own it and deal with it and, and face it. But the process of dealing with it is much easier 
if you're if you are working with uh, reporters with whom you've built a relationship over time and you know them on a human level because that it, it breaks down that that uh, first truth problem of a of a reporter coming into an area fresh and just then trying to get oriented they're working on deadline and they're going to gather what information they can in the time they have if you've built a relationship uh, that that exists and has for a long time they come in for that story. They're on the same deadline, but they're drawing from perspective inf- and information that they have been forming and gathering and shaping for for a longer period. They're not just stepping in, doing the story, and getting out. Point there being, yeah, you you can't you can't just build a reservoir of goodwill, keep doing good things over and over, and then expect that you can do a bad thing or or have a mistake happen and, and just sort of blow it off because everybody, no, no, that's really a good guy. But you make the dealing with that crisis uh, an easier process by building a solid relationship. My thought is is that this this shows you you know every business has to be prepared for you know worst case scenarios uh, nowadays where what is the attack on your on your uh, reputation and you know is, did something go wrong you have to have a plan for that and you know business owners are asked you know you have to are they their own accountant no they hire an accountant who's an expert for that they hire people that are experts to help them in their business this is one of those where you know working for this you know for this lab we're not really outside consultants. We work with people and yes, we're willing to help, but this is a, a time that we would suggest that don't try to go into a crisis blind and on your own. You have to have a plan for these things. And, you know, working with someone like you, that would be a good step is, you know, you have to be, you know, you have to, it's like having insurance. You just, it's something you have to have. Yeah, I appreciate that plug, Jeff. And it certainly opens the opportunity for me there to highlight you know, what, what North of Center does and, and can do. And I'll start by, by pointing out that I, I think often there's a perception of, of among, in the small business owner community of, you know, hey, we, we can't afford the big marketing or the big communications or the big PR and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, frankly, that's exactly the kind of business that, uh, that I would want to be working for and working with. I, I want to help you know, new businesses and business owners uh, succeed. And we can certainly, as a as our team, we can be a crisis communication response team. I've done you know, twenty years of that, where you know I could come into work thinking I was going to do one thing, and then and then that afternoon get a phone call saying that a, a helicopter had crashed, or or somebody had been arrested out in town, or whatnot. And uh, for context to the listeners who don't know, I was a Marine Corps public affairs officer for twenty plus years, so I've got the crisis communication experience. But what I really love to do is get out with a uh, a local business and help them do the planning in advance. Uh, I would much rather help teach people how to do that plan and do that planning, teach them the thought process. Uh, and again, we use what we call the communication-based leadership framework to do that planning and then have a plan in place. Um, and then as a, as a supporting business uh, for uh, North, North of Center being a supporting business, help with the planning and then be on call if you needed us. And uh, that too, that comes down to relationships that I strive to go out and, and build different relationships throughout the community and let them know that, hey, you may not be able to afford a permanent communication person, but uh, North of Center has a full up communication team ready to go if you need it. And if we build a relationship in advance, teach you some basics in advance, uh, give you a plan in place, you may well be able to execute some of that plan on your own and resolve the issue. Um, and then in that plan, you could have a point where you say, "Ah, oh, this is the if then go to north of center trigger uh, in a sense. So I've, I've 
talked myself uh, into a space here where I, th- I think what I want to wrap up with before handing the mic back to you, Jeff, is uh, that uh, that north of center can truly we can be or support or train the communication activity and teams uh, for other businesses out there. And we can we can lend that capability and credibility to you, make it available as a resource. That's the end of my plug here for now on North of Center. Uh, We still have some time left, though, Jeff, and I'm going to totally hand the mic to you cold and see where you want to take the conversation next. Well, Cliff, I was thinking that we've kind of bounced from, you know, that, hey, you should reach out and engage uh, uh, your local uh, reporters. Uh, You should also have a plan for what if if someone reaches out to them about you. You know, I think it would be a decent time to explain, you know, hey, I'm not a restaurant, so therefore I don't need or I'm not going to be able to, I don't have anything to talk to the reporters about. There's, it takes a little bit of creativity, but I think, and that's maybe something that they uh, talk to you all about of, you know, how does a plumber talk to uh, a local media? And I was sitting here watching the news the other day and I saw a story about, you know, we're having the first freezes down here in Texas in w- where we're at. And a local plumber was on talking about how to protect your home from, you know, your pipes from freezing. And I was thinking, boy, what a great chance to get free publicity for your, for your company. How about if you're a florist, you know, it's coming up on Valentine's day, uh, when we're, when we're talking about this now, but what does it take to get ready for the, uh, Valentine's day rush? You know, this is kind of like the Super Bowl for, uh, for florist, the company, what is it ring? The ones that do the doorbell, uh, cameras, they have created this whole, industry around porch pirates where all around the the holiday season they did nothing you know media did nothing but talk about porch pirates and they showed all this great video and so they're they're highlighting a problem ring is highlighting a problem and here's our solution to the problem is buying it and so they're seeing you're seeing all these porch pirates being caught by ring so more people are buying the products in order to avoid you know a kind of a crisis that they're helping to manufacture but I mean, even if you're a local delivery service, well, I'm going you know, to hold on and I'm going to hold on and interrupt a second and just clarify uh, because I, I don't did, think you, they did not. Yeah, I don't think you mean that that Ring is trying to create the crisis. Uh, no, but, but they, but are they certainly they, they certainly advantage. took advantage of the opportunity uh, to that there is something there that was a ner- newsworthy issue and they had a solution to it and then they could turn that into. Uh, media coverage, which which account, you know essentially equates to publicity. It becomes uh, it's uh, publicity is uh, advertising you don't pay for. It's attention you you don't have to pay for. Uh, anyway, I wanted to clear that one up just in case. Uh, that's one of those uh, snip, cut, take out of context, and burn us down sort of phrases. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, I apologize. No, no, offense, um. no offense meant to ring. You guys are doing great work. <laughs> but I mean, just think if, if you're a local delivery uh, company, you mm-hmm. could have, you know, you take this story that everyone is watching on national and you can say, this is how we, do, you know, we protect it, you know, at the local level. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do that. Uh, a dentist could talk about how to prevent cavities around Halloween. The whole key is how do you make news or make it a service to the viewers or the, you know, the either the TV audience or the readers? You know, you're not trying to, hey, how can I get myself in the news? It's how can what I do help other people? Because that's really what local newspapers and local TV shows are trying to do is help their local uh, viewers or audience. So if you put that your mindset, you know, in there, yeah, you can easily get into uh, into the, the local media. It's just you have to, one, watch your local TV show, you know, have a subscription to your local newspaper. You know, when, when you call and say, hey – you know, I'm a longtime subscriber and I think I have a story. 
that sounds a lot better than, Hey, I just want you to come here and do a story on me and they don't know you from Adam, mm-hmm. you know, being, you know, participating in the process, you know, definitely gives you points. One of those obvious bits in there that if you get a news story, especially once it gets out there on the web, whether it's a print story or a video clip uh, or something, that becomes something that then you can very easily then click, pop, bounce through your own social media platforms uh, and, uh, you know, and and get an expanded uh, punch out of that activity. Um, So that's one type of follow up activity. If that's once that story is generated, you have, you know, we have all the resources in our hip pocket literally these days uh, where we can relay that stuff uh, again at the speed of send. And and so once somebody's done the work to build a story, we have that tool. Uh, we can continue using that or a client can continue using that for quite some time to just keep getting bounce out of it and, and, and gain exposure. Let's circle. We've got a couple minutes left before we wrap this uh, podcast up. So let's collide the end of the barbecue story with the end of uh, this podcast and go to this question for you. Reporter came in, reported on uh, on the barbecue uh, joint, and got some coverage. Got lines out the door. What next? And and what uh, what did or should the uh, barbecue owner have done at that point, specifically with regard to the the journalist or the reporter? And one of the things that I advised him to do, and I'd be lying, but I don't know how how well he followed up. But I suggested that they post that on their social media and to do a thanks of this is how you know this this report helped our business and basically to share back the love because, you know, these reporters, the, they're desperately trying to grow their careers and things like that. And this verifies or validates the work that they're doing. So in the future, when the reporter contacts another business to say, Hey, we'd like to come out and cover you, you know, they can see, Oh, there's actual value in this from another business owner. It's not just a reporter. So it makes the reporter's job easier. So I think uh, it's always nice to thank a reporter if they did something good for you. Um, and even if they pointed out something that's, you know, hey, I wish you wouldn't have done that. As long as they gave an honest assessment, you should reach or always follow up with that. Right on. And that, that closes out nicely with uh, reinforcing the point that, uh, that it's about relationships and relationship building. Um, you know, I'll point out that uh, neither you nor I are journalists. Uh, we have done, you and I both have had 20 plus years respectively uh, doing uh, media relations and public engagement type of activities. We've worked with journalists, uh, so we we aren't uh, we aren't advocates saying I'm a journalist. I need. I want. Uh, we're folks who've worked with them and gained an appreciation for journalism at the human level. Uh, journalism where the individual journalist is where a relationship can be built. And I'll use a parallel. I, I found personally that most every journalist I ever met uh, I ever met had gotten into their career for very much the same reasons and values that I had gotten into my career within the Marine Corps. We, we, you know, they want to serve in some way. Journalism as a monolithic body has gotten sort of a weird reputation these days. The public tends to look at it as one big thing. It's not one big thing. It's a whole bunch of people, most of them trying to do the right thing and, and really communicate effectively and, and get information out to folks who need it. Jeff, you provided some fantastic examples here, not only of what the Behavior Lab, uh, Human Behavior Lab at Texas A&M can do in terms of using uh, data collection and data analysis to, you know, biometric data analysis to really find out what what a client is looking at, what they're reading, what they're prioritizing, and and to have a really concrete benefit to a business owner on their their bottom line and their revenue generation. We've also covered the importance of building good relationships with local community journalists uh, and the value of reaching out to those folks 
and finding the thing about your business that is newsworthy and can generate a good story so that you can use that bounce and you don't have to sink thousands of dollars into the advertising market uh, until you've grown enough to the point when that's the right thing for you to do. Uh, with that, uh, we're, we're close to wrapping up. Uh, we do want to respect folks' time. Stick as close as we can to 30 minutes. Final word for you, Jeff. Anything else you want to add? I just want to express again my appreciation for being your first guest here on Doc Talk. Well, it was good to have you, and uh, thanks for thanks for taking your time, investing your time with us. To our listeners out there, thanks to you as well for investing your time with us. We hope you found some value in this, uh, and we certainly encourage you to visit our website and take a look at what we could do for you. Don't hesitate to call. Uh, all it takes is a phone call sometimes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes of talking, uh, and we can help somebody walk away with some uh, some valuable experience and insight and, and some practical solutions to some of the challenges they're facing in the world out there. So thanks to our listeners. And with that, I'll be signing off. Have a good one. If you enjoyed this episode of Knock Talk, please recommend us to friends and colleagues who may also find these discussions helpful. To learn more about how communication-based leadership can help you navigate successfully in a world that operates at the speed of send, visit our website at www.northofcenter.com. You can also drop us a line anytime with your leadership questions or to recommend future Knock Talk topics at reachknock at northofcenter.com. That's reachnoc at northofcenter.com. Finally, we want to extend our sincere thanks to Forrest Reed, who produced this episode.